Uh, good afternoon. Uh, my name is JP. Like Pastor Susie said, I recently became the discipleship pastor here at New Philly. And um, man, that, that quote, that essay, whatever you want to call it, right, <laughs> that, she, that she shared, I feel like I, just, I should just read it again and then close in prayer. Like, that really aligns with the message for today. And uh, we are in this three-part uh, sermon series on the topic of communion. Right? I don't know if you have grown up in the church, you probably partook in communion in some way, shape, or form. Uh, I am today preaching on the second part of a three-part sermon. And I'm so excited, uh, not just to preach this, but I'm excited for what's going to happen after I preach today. Um, as you can see, uh, if you look around the room, you'll see that it's a, quite an unusual setup for today. There's a lot of little, little tables around, and... Um, uh, I'll explain more later, but the way we're going to do communion, partake in communion today is going to be very symbolic uh, um, coming out of um, the message for today. So last week, uh, Pastor Susie kicked us off with the first sermon, and it was a powerful uh, time where we came to the table uh, in a time of remembrance as Jesus himself commanded his disciples, do this in remembrance of me. He commanded his disciples, do this communion in remembrance of me. So we see that the disciples in the early church partook and administered communion as a sign of remembering. For the, for the Jews, it was remembering uh, their history, remembering how God delivered them out of their Egypt, as Pastor Susie says. And, and for us, as believers in Christ, from our sin. And we partake by approaching the table and remembering how the broken body of Christ and the shed blood of our Savior, that happened to redeem us and that happened for us to be reconciled to relationship with Him. Amen? So, the key word I want to emphasize here is through this act of approaching the table of communion, remembering what Jesus has done for us, He has reconciled us a relationship with him all right so that's what pastor Susie preached about and today what i'm gonna what i'm gonna talk about is a different angle and different aspect of communion and that is if last week was about communion being about jesus and me today is about communion being about jesus and us what that means is this is that the main point i'm just going to give it off in the front end Communion is not only about our individual devotion and connection with God. But communion is also given to us to remind us of, of the gift of being devoted and connected to one another in Christ. All right? That's the main point for today. If last week I approached the table and I got this revelation that, wow, I am adopted. He signed the adoption papers with his blood and I am a son. We are sons and daughters of God. Hallelujah. If that was what last week is about, this week is about this. Hallelujah. If I'm a son and daughter of God, that means I have brothers and sisters. Which meaning that we don't, we don't partake in communion by ourselves. You know, communion is a communal experience. Communion is a communal experience. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. Turn to your neighbor. Turn to your brother. Turn to your sister and say, what up, brother? What up, what up sister? 
right? All right. The title of my message today is called A, A People of Devotion. A People of Devotion. Uh, let's just step into the shoes of the early disciples, the 12 disciples. You can wear whoever shoe you want. I choose John, all right? Step into the life of one of the disciples, and they do life with Jesus for about roughly around three, three years. They see each other every day. Jesus calls out to these fishermen, tax collectors, sinners, and they do life with Jesus for three years. They become tight. Jesus calls them friends. You're not just my servants. You're my friends. And they do life together. You know, the Bible doesn't show the, uh, the day in and the day out of the fellowship and, and, and the jokes that they uh, were, you know, were, were saying to each other and just the fun, right, of, okay, not everything that happened to Jesus is fun too, right? But there was so much connection. There was so much life happening in those three years. And within those three years, Jesus says a couple of important things, a lot of important things. He gives all these commandments, and he also gives promises, right? Jesus gives commandments, and Jesus gives what? Promises. One of those promises is being, hey, it's been so great doing life together. It's been so great walking with you guys. It's been so great having you as my disciples. But I have some news. I'm leaving now, try to connect with the emotional aspect of that with the disciples. We all know here in Korea, for those who have been around, the hardship of building relationships and watching people go. Right? We all know that. Now, these disciples, Jesus is so important to them. Not just a friend, but their Lord, their Savior. And he's saying, I have news for you. I gave you these promises, but I'm leaving. I have to do what I got to do. You know, I came to save you guys. He went to the cross. He resurrected. And sure enough, he ascended into heaven. But before he left, he made this promise. This promise said this. I'm going to send someone. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Here's my instructions to you. Go to Jerusalem. Wait in that upper room. And something's going to happen. And lo and behold, we read in Acts chapter 2. God pours out his spirit. Just like it was prophesied in the Old Testament. God pours out his spirit and then this, these crazy things happen where the Holy Spirit comes like fire upon each and every one of the disciples in that room. They say that there are around 120 people in that room. They start speaking in tongues and then all this stuff, stuff starts happening. But I think that's amazing. But I think what's more important than, than that is Peter. He starts preaching the gospel. And it says in that Bible that around 3,000 people Hallelujah. It says around 3,000 people got saved. Now, if you've led anyone to Christ, if anybody in this room has have led anyone to Christ, you've got to wonder, what do I do now? What do you do now? Maybe take them to church, you know? What do we do now? You see, these disciples, what do they do when nobody has given them instructions and nobody has pointed them to any kind of program like we have? These disciples, 3,000 people got saved. <laughs> and then what do we do now? If you were one of his disciples, what would you do? The logical thing to do is remember the words of Jesus. 
their rabbi, their teacher. So all they know how to do is obey the words of Christ. So let's see what happens after 3,000 people get saved. All right, let's turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47. I do not have it on the slides like Pastor Susie usually does. And I did that on purpose. Please take out your Bibles. Right? <laughs> Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. This is what happens. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. Amen. House churches are starting this week. Right? Today is the last day we're taking sign-ups. And house churches are basically, different churches call it different things, small groups, life groups, whatever groups, I don't know, right? But if we can have that house church slide up, right? Then the, the theme verse that I'm preaching today on is actually the vision of our house church. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, right? They devoted themselves to what? The fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. This is what happened, when the disciples, disciples ask, what do we do now? And all four of these things that the early church was devoted to is all connected with a commandment of Jesus. They didn't just pull it out of their butt. How about this program, right? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. What is the apostles' teachings? Right? It's the words of Jesus. The Sermon on the Mount. The commandments of Jesus. The promises of Jesus. Right? Jesus commanded them with the Great Commission, saying, make disciples of all nations, teaching them all that I commanded. Well, so what are the disciples doing? They're just obeying Jesus. You see this, right? Right? Of course, the next one is fellowship. I'm going to go into that. Right? How that connects to what Jesus commanded. And the breaking of bread. Talking about communion. A week before this is happening. A week before this is happening. Okay, breaking of bread can mean having a meal together. But it also means communion. Because a week before, at the Lord's Supper, Jesus commanded, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. And prayers. The disciples are remembering Jesus and saying, hey, I want you to pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You will be done, right? You see, everything that they're doing is in obedience to the commandments and promises of Jesus. They were devoted to the apostles' teachings. And I have to ask us, church, this afternoon, do we know, do you know the commandments of Jesus? 
I love it. I love it. Parents, don't feel pudam. We love the sound, all right, of children, all right? Do we know the commandments? Of, do we know the promises of Jesus, right? We sing, all your promises are yes and amen. But what promises are we thinking about? What are the promises that came out of the mouth of Jesus pertaining to our lives? And what are the, what are the commandments that Jesus commanded us? We, sh- we as disciples and followers of Christ should know the Sermon on the Mount front to back. Because these are the things that should be taught in our house churches, in our communities. They're devoted to the apostles' teachings. Right? Second is, they were devoted to genuine fellowship. Right? A couple weeks ago, I preached a message uh, here titled, Christ-Centered Koinonia. Meaning, Christ-Centered Fellowship. And I preached on something else that happened a week before this. Something else that happened is, while they were in communion, while they were partaking of the bread and the wine. At the same time, at that same sitting, Jesus did something extraordinary. What did he do? He got out a towel in a basin. He got down on his knees and he washed his disciples' feet. And then what did he command the disciples? What I'm doing to you now, I want you to do to each other. What I'm doing to you now, I want you to do to each other. And in that message, I'm not going to preach it again, but I have to share again, actually, the point of what, what does that actually mean? Does that mean literally, like, we should, you know, I should take off your feet and we should literally wash each other's feet? I don't think that's what it meant, literally. Because if it was literal, I don't know a lot of churches that actually do that. But I shared in my message how When Peter said, I don't want you to just wash my feet. I want you to wash my whole body. Because the context of that is saying, actually back in the day, they didn't take showers every day like we do. Hopefully we do, right? They didn't didn't take showers every day because they didn't have bathrooms like we do. They took showers maybe once or twice a week. Once every two weeks, right? Some of us wish we could do that too, right? Once every two weeks. But what did they wash daily? Their feet was washed daily. Meaning, hey, you don't need to be washed whole. You are saved. You are washed by the blood of the Lamb. But your feet are dirty. Which means what? The confession of our sin. So I shared in the message, sometimes in our community... We got to feel safe and we got to be brave and vulnerable enough to take off our shoes, take off our socks, show our dirty feet to one another and saying, hey, this is my mess. And then we got to get on our knees, wash each other's feet with the truth. That's fellowship. That's what it means to wash one another's feet. Jesus commanded it. Now, this is what they were doing in the early church. Right. I'll I'll read this quote again by Charles Spurgeon. I read this last time. He says, It is easy for us to criticize those with dirty feet instead of washing them. In the world, they criticize. The world says, This is the business of the public press, and it is very much the busyness of private circles. Hear how gossip says. Do you see that spot? 
What a terrible walk that man must have had this morning. Look at his feet. He has been very much in the mire, you can see. For there are the traces upon him. That is the world's way. But Christ's way is different. He says nothing, takes out the basin, and begins to wash out the stain. Do not judge and condemn, but seek the restoration and the improvement of the erring. Fellowship. But the main one that we want to zone in on today is the third one. The fourth one is they were devoted to prayers. Right? We won't get into prayers today. But I'm sure Pastor Susie, being the prayer warrior that she is, she's going to preach on prayer. But I want to zone in on the third one, the breaking of bread. Because we're in a sermon series on communion, right? The breaking of bread. A week before, like I said, Jesus was doing this. Do this in remembrance of me. This is my body that was broken for you. This is my blood that was shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We sing a lot of songs along the lines of coming to the table. And the fact that when the body of Christ was torn, it says in the word of God that as his flesh was torn, so was the veil. And when his veil was torn, we have access to come to this table. We have access to his presence. We have access to relationship with Jesus. We can approach with confidence. That's what we covered last week. Right? But it also means enjoying life together. Here's something that I'm just going to emphasize. And here's something that I, I'm not going to go long today. Here's something that I'm just going to emphasize is this. The body of Christ was broken for us so that we would not have to live a broken body. Because when Jesus was saying, this is my body that was broken for you. Guess what, church? The Bible says now, we are his body. We are his body. You know what one of the last things Jesus prayed before he left was? Father, I pray that they would be one. Just as we are one. Father, I pray that they would be united. Despite all their differences, that they would be one. When we partake in communion... And we, are, we look at the body of Christ that was broken. We should be reminded that the desire of God's heart is that we would be one. His body was broken so that we could be one. I remember one time I was watching Passion of the Christ. In that scene where his body was getting ripped apart. His body was getting whipped. And as I was watching that, I felt God put on my heart, you know, the body, my body, is now the church. And at that time, I was in sin. I would gossip about the church. I would slander people. I would judge the church. I would hate on the bride of Christ. And as I was watching those Roman soldiers just whipping the body of Christ, I could not help but be convicted. Am I contributing to that? Am I contributing to that? And then the scene, the next scene, what happens? You see his mother Mary get white cloth and she comes by his side and she begins to tend his body. And that's when the Lord put on my heart, will you tend my body? Will you love my body? Brothers and sisters, when we love one another, when we get down on our knees, when we serve each other, what are we doing? We're tending his body. 
We're partaking in the very thing, the reason why his body was torn for us. So as we approach the table today, we got to be reminded that all this happened not just for individual relationship with Christ. All this happened because Christ is coming back for one bride, one church, a unified church that loves one another. Amen? To the degree that we understand the radical love, the radical act of us being reconciled to God, is the degree that we can extend and live out the ministry of reconciliation with one another. Remember I said earlier, last week, when we approach the table individually, we get that revelation that Christ has reconciled us to him. Don't underestimate, underestimate the weight of that. The weight of his sacrifice. And the way that he did it. So that we can be reconciled. Forgiven. Reconciled back to relationship with him. The degree of our revelation of that. Is the degree that when we come to the table. With our brothers and sisters. The Bible says we hold the ministry of reconciliation now. We ought to be reconciled to each other. Yesterday, we went down to New Philly South, the house church with all the families. And uh, I preached this message, and we went into a powerful time of communion. Where I said, as we approach the table, I would like us, whatever the Holy Spirit puts on your heart, whether that's a sin to confess to each other. And we had a lot of married couples there. Or whether you want to confess something to your spouse, even if it's something small. Let's do that. And let's, re let's remember the power of the blood of Christ. Let's remember the heart of Jesus, how he wants unity, how he wants love. And God met us there yesterday. It was powerful. We were all in tears. As people were showing their feet, the dirt on their feet. People were vulnerable. I'm struggling with this. Husband, I'm sorry that I haven't been loving you the way that I want to. You know, wife, I'm sorry that I haven't been walking with the Lord, leading our relationship. It got so vulnerable. And as we passed around the communion elements, I just felt like the Lord was just bringing healing in relationships. And that's something I want to invite us to today.